You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. I focus on the transparent square wedged between me and my freedom. I want to smash this concrete world into oblivion. I want to be bigger, better, stronger. I want to be angry, angry, angry. I want to be the bird that flies away. Today's excerpt is from the book Shatter Me. Shatter Me is the gripping first installment of the New York Times bestselling author Tahera Mafi's Shatter Me series. It's the story of a girl, Juliet, who has a touch that can kill or can cure. No one knows why Juliet has such incredible power. It feels like a curse, a burden that one person alone could never bear. But the reestablishment sees it as a gift and sees her as an opportunity, an opportunity for a deadly weapon. Juliet has never fought for herself before, but when she's reunited with the one person who's ever cared about her, she finds the strength she never knew she had. Shatter Me has everything readers love, a compelling heroine, an imaginative world, a heart-stopping adventure, and a spell-binding romance. Tahera Mafi is a girl. She was born the youngest child with four older brothers in a small city somewhere in Connecticut and currently resides in Orange County, California. Shatter Me is her first novel. Chapter 1 I've been locked up for 264 days. I have nothing but a small notebook and a broken pen and the numbers in my head to keep me company. One window, four walls, 144 square feet of space, 26 letters in an alphabet I haven't spoken in 264 days of isolation. 6,336 hours since I've touched another human being. You're getting a cellmate. No. Roommate, they said to me. We hope you rot to death in this place. Wait. For good behavior, they said to me. Another psycho just like you. No. No more isolation, they said to me. They are the minions of the reestablishment, the initiative that was supposed to help our dying society. The same people who pulled me out of my parents' home and locked me in an asylum for something outside of my control. No one cares that I didn't know what I was capable of, that I didn't know what I was doing. I have no idea where I am. I only know that I was transported by someone in a white van who drove six hours and 37 minutes to get me here. I know I was handcuffed to my seat. I know I was strapped to my chair. I know my parents never bothered to say goodbye. I know I didn't cry as I was taken away. I know the sky falls down every day. The sun drops into the ocean and splashes browns and reds and yellows and oranges into the world outside my window. A million leaves from a hundred different branches dip in the wind, fluttering with the false promise of flight. The gust catches their withered wings only to force them downward, forgotten, left to be trampled by the soldiers stationed just below. There aren't as many trees as there were before. 
is what the scientists say. They say our world used to be green, our clouds used to be white, our sun was always the right kind of light. But I have very faint memories of that world. I don't remember much from before. The only existence I know now is the one I was given, an echo of what used to be. I press my palm to the small pane of glass and feel the cold clasp my hand in a familiar embrace. We are both alone, both existing as the absence of something else. I grab my nearly useless pen with the very little ink I've learned to ration each day and stare at it, change my mind, abandon the effort it takes to write things down. Having a cellmate might be okay. Talking to a real human being might make things easier. I practice using my voice, shaping my lips around the familiar words unfamiliar to my mouth. I practice all day. I'm surprised I remember how to speak. I roll my little notebook into a ball I shove into the wall. I sit up on the cloth-covered springs I'm forced to sleep on. I wait. I rock back and forth and wait. I wait too long and fall asleep. My eyes open to two eyes, two lips, two ears, two eyebrows. I stifle my scream, my urgency to run, the crippling horror gripping my limbs. You're a b b b b b b and you're a girl. He cocks an eyebrow. He leans away from my face. He grins, but he's not smiling, and I want to cry, my eyes desperate, terrified, darting toward the door I tried to open so many times I'd lost count. They locked me up with a boy. A boy. Dear God. They're trying to kill me. They've done it on purpose, to torture me, to torment me, to keep me from sleeping through the night ever again. His arms are tatted up, half sleeves to his elbows. His eyebrow is missing a ring they must have confiscated. Dark blue eyes, dark brown hair, sharp jawline, strong, lean frame, gorgeous. Dangerous. Terrifying. Horrible. He laughs, and I fall off my bed and scuttle into the corner. He sizes up the meager pillow on the spare bed they shoved into the empty space this morning, the skimpy mattress and threadbare blanket hardly big enough to support his upper half. He glances at my bed, glances at his bed, shoves them both together with one hand, uses his foot to push the two metal frames to his side of the room, stretches out across the two mattresses, grabbing my pillow to fluff up under his neck. I've begun to shake. I bite my lip and try to bury myself in the dark corner. He's stolen my bed, my blanket, my pillow. I have nothing but the floor. I will have nothing but the floor. I will never fight back because I'm too petrified, too paralyzed, too paranoid. So you're what? Insane? Is that why you're here? I'm not insane. He props himself up enough to see my face. He laughs again. I'm not going to hurt you. I want to believe him. I don't believe him. What's your name? He asks. None of your business. What's your name? I hear his irritated exhalation of breath. I hear him turn over on the bed that used to be half mine. I stay awake all night, my knees curled up to my chin, my arms wrapped tight around my small frame, my long brown hair the only curtain between us. I will not sleep. 
I cannot sleep. I cannot hear those screams again. Chapter 2 It smells like rain in the morning. The room is heavy with the scent of wet stone, upturned soil. The air is dank and earthy. I take a deep breath and tiptoe to the window only to press my nose against the cool surface, feel my breath fog up the glass, close my eyes to the sound of a soft pitter-patter rushing through the wind. Raindrops are my only reminder that clouds have a heartbeat, that I have one too. I always wonder about raindrops. I wonder about how they're always falling down, tripping over their own feet, breaking their legs and forgetting their parachutes as they tumble right out of the sky toward an uncertain end. It's like someone is emptying their pockets over the earth and doesn't seem to care where the contents fall doesn't seem to care that the raindrops burst when they hit the ground, that they shatter when they fall to the floor, that people curse the days the drops dare to tap on their doors. I am a raindrop. My parents emptied their pockets of me and left me to evaporate on a concrete slab. The window tells me we're not far from the mountains and definitely near the water, but everything is near the water these days. I just don't know which side we're on, which direction we're facing. I squint up at the early morning light. Someone picked up the sun and pinned it to the sky again, but every day it hangs a little lower than the day before. It's like a negligent parent who only knows one half of who you are. It never sees how its absence changes people, how different we are in the dark. A sudden rustle means my cellmate is awake. I spin around like I've been caught stealing food again. That only happened once, and my parents didn't believe me when I said it wasn't for me. I said I was just trying to save the stray cats living around the corner, but they didn't think I was human enough to care about a cat. Not me. Not something... Someone like me. But then they never believed anything I said. That's exactly why I'm here. Cellmate is studying me. He fell asleep fully clothed. He's wearing a navy blue t-shirt and khaki cargo pants tucked into shin-high black boots. I'm wearing dead cotton on my limbs and a blush of roses on my face. His eyes scan the silhouette of my structure and the slow motion makes my heart race. I catch the rose petals as they fall from my cheeks as they float around the frame of my body, as they cover me in something that feels like the absence of courage. Stop looking at me, is what I want to say. Stop touching me with your eyes and keep your hands to your sides and please, please, and please. What's your name? The tilt of his head cracks gravity in half. I'm suspended in the moment. I blink and bottle my breaths. He shifts, and my eyes shatter into thousands of pieces that ricochet around the room, capturing a million snapshots, a million moments in time, flickering images faded with age, frozen thoughts hovering precariously in dead space, a whirlwind of memories that slice through my soul. He reminds me of someone I used to know. One sharp breath, and I'm shocked back to reality. No more daydreams. 
Why are you here? I asked the cracks in the concrete wall. Fourteen cracks in four walls, a thousand shades of gray. The floor, the ceiling, all the same slab of stone. The pathetically constructed bed frames built from old water pipes. The small square of a window too thick to shatter. My hope is exhausted. My eyes are unfocused and aching. My finger is tracing a lazy path across the cold floor. I'm sitting on the ground where it smells like ice and metal and dirt. Cellmate sits across from me, his legs folded underneath him, his boots just a little too shiny for this place. You're afraid of me. His voice has no shape. My fingers find their way to a fist. I'm afraid you're wrong. I might be lying, but that's none of his business. He snorts, and the sound echoes in the dead air between us. I don't lift my head. I don't meet the eyes he's drilling in my direction. I taste the stale, wasted oxygen and sigh. My throat is tight with something familiar to me, something I've learned to swallow. Two knocks at the door startle my emotions back into place. He's upright in an instant. No one is there. I tell him. It's just our breakfast. 264 breakfasts, and I still don't know what it's made of. It smells like too many chemicals, an amorphous lump always delivered in extremes. Sometimes too sweet, sometimes too salty, always disgusting. Most of the time, I'm too starved to notice the difference. I hear him hesitate for only an instant before edging toward the door. He slides open a small slot and peers through to a world that no longer exists. Shit. He practically flings the tray through the opening, pausing only to slap his palm against his shirt. Shit, shit. He curls his fingers into a tight fist and clenches his jaw. He's burned his hand. I would have warned him if he would have listened. You should wait at least three minutes before touching the tray, I tell the wall. I don't look at the faint scars gracing my small hands, at the burn marks no one could have taught me to avoid. I think they do it on purpose, I add quietly. Oh, so you're talking to me today. He's angry. His eyes flash before he looks away, and I realize he's more embarrassed than anything else. He's a tough guy. Too tough to make stupid mistakes in front of a girl. Too tough to show pain. I press my lips together and stare out the small square of glass they call a window. There aren't many animals left, but I've heard stories of birds that fly. Maybe one day I'll get to see one. The stories are so wildly woven these days, there's very little to believe. But I've heard more than one person say they've actually seen a flying bird within the past few years. So I watch the window. There will be a bird today. It will be white, with streaks of gold like a crown atop its head. It will fly. There will be a bird today. It will be white, with streaks of gold like a crown atop its head. It will fly. There will be a, his hand, on me. Two tips, 
of two fingers graze my cloth-covered shoulder for less than a second, and every muscle, every tendon in my body is fraught with tension and tied into knots that clench my spine. I stay very still. I don't move. I don't breathe. Maybe if I don't move, this feeling will last forever. No one has touched me in 264 days. Sometimes I think the loneliness inside of me is going to explode through my skin. And sometimes I'm not sure if crying or screaming or laughing through the hysteria will solve anything at all. Sometimes I'm so desperate to touch, to be touched, to feel that I'm almost certain I'm going to fall off a cliff in an alternate universe where no one will ever be able to find me. It doesn't seem impossible. I've been screaming for years and no one has ever heard me. Aren't you hungry? His voice is lower now, a little worried now. I've been starving for 264 days. No. The word is little more than a broken breath as it escapes my lips, and I turn, and I shouldn't, but I do, and he's staring at me, studying me. His lips are only barely parted, his limbs limp at his side, his lashes blinking back confusion. Something punches me in the stomach. His eyes, something about his eyes. It's not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. I close the world away, lock it up, turn the key so tight. Blackness buries me in its folds. Hey. My eyes break open, two shattered windows filling my mouth with glass. What is it? His voice is a failed attempt at flatness, an anxious attempt at apathy. Nothing. I focus on the transparent square wedged between me and my freedom. I want to smash this concrete world into oblivion. I want to be bigger, better, stronger. I want to be angry, angry, angry. I want to be the bird that flies away. What are you writing? Cellmate speaks again. These words are vomit. This shaky pen is my esophagus. This sheet of paper is my porcelain bowl. Why won't you answer me? He's too close, too close, too close. No one is ever close enough. I suck in my breath and wait for him to walk away like everyone else in my life. My eyes are focused on the window and the promise of what could be. The promise of something grander, something greater, some reason for the madness building in my bones, some explanation for my inability to do anything without ruining everything. There will be a bird. It will be white with streaks of gold like a crown atop its head. It will fly. There will be a bird. It will be, hey, you can't touch me, I whisper. I'm lying is what I don't tell him. He can touch me is what I'll never tell him. Please touch me is what I want to tell him. But things happen when people touch me. Strange things. Bad things. Dead things. I can't remember the warmth of any kind of embrace. My arms ache from the inescapable ice of isolation. My own mother couldn't hold me in her arms. 
My father couldn't warm my frozen hands. I live in a world of nothing. Hello, world. You will forget me. Knock, knock. Cellmate jumps to his feet. It's time to shower. We hope you've enjoyed this excerpt of Shatter Me. It's a great story, and we know that you'll want to continue it, either listening to the audiobook, reading the print book, or the ebook. And please pick it up wherever those editions are sold. Please tune in next week for further excerpts in our summer of excerpts. Until next time.